Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Revolution of Interdependence podcast. So my name is Will Sampson. I'm a change coach and a social scientist. I guide executives and companies to new level of growth. Now, if you want to improve your life all by yourself, that's your business. But if you want help from others, that's our business. And that's what this podcast is all about, helping each other succeed. And we do that by inviting people into a growing revolution of interdependence. So my guest today is Bob Gentle. Bob is uh, someone that I'm getting to know as a friend. Um, he helps business leaders around the world discover, set, and achieve their goals online, and then build a business they love. So I am super excited uh, to talk to Bob today. So first of all, Bob, welcome. Thank you. I am probably more excited to be here than you are, I would imagine. I've been looking forward to this all day. That's uh, it's, it. it's, it's kind of the beginning of your day. It's the end of my day in the UK. Right. You're in Glasgow. Yes, I am. It's the best. Glasgow's in Scotland, if you're not familiar with it, and it's in the better half of the UK. There we go. <laughs> All right. So um, so excited to have you here. I mentioned to you before we start, because we're a revolution of interdependence, we always start with one question, which is, tell us the story of someone, some group, it could be a person or a group that made a difference for you. When you look back on your narrative, you're the reason you're here and it can be more than someone but tell us your story of interdependence there are a few people that spring out but i'll start at the beginning probably the earliest for me was i was 17 and working for what back then was one of the the early incarnations of apple's local franchises so my job was repairing computers, delivering computers and things like that. And my boss at the time, he ran the business, a guy called Bill Clark, introduced me to personal development for the first time, which it just wasn't something I'd heard of, that you could be intentional about how you would grow as a person and as a professional. Mm -hmm. And he sent me on courses and all kinds of things. And I am incredibly grateful for that because it opened my eyes to lifelong learning and lifelong growth, which has led me down so many paths. And the second one for me, he probably doesn't know this. It's a guy called Nigel Parkinson. And he was a client of mine when I was running what was essentially a web design agency. And he took me aside one day and he said, you know what? You do all this practical stuff, but the thing that I really value from you is not your ability to do the stuff, but it's your ability to tell me how I should use that stuff. Um, and for me, that was the gateway to a whole new business. So now my business is exclusively around helping people, A, discover what they want to do. Because a lot of people, they really have no idea. They don't understand what their zone of genius is. And I seem to have a superpower that I can spot the value in people that they didn't even know was there and then help them reach out across the internet to connect with the people who need that the most. So Nigel, thank you very much for that. I love that. I love both of those. And thank you for sharing them. It's, it's, it's a fun question to ask because I, <clears throat> I realize sometimes people come up with names they haven't thought of in years, or they didn't really maybe even see where that person fit. And so just, just pause and think about it is, um, is mm. pretty incredible. So thank you for sharing both of those. So let's start there with how you help people and how you help people discover their passion, discover their, uh, their genius. Um, 
let's actually just start there. What's the process for discovering your genius? Let's say I'm somebody listening and I don't like my nine to five. I don't, you know, I don't want to work for the man anymore. I really want to um, become a entrepreneur, a solopreneur, or just change the trajectory of the way I work during the day. Where do, where should people start and how do you help people get started on that process? I think the first the first part of the process is understanding that your vision is probably the most important thing. Mm. So in order to establish that vision, there's a little bit of work to do. And I would say, first off, what are you curious about? What lights you up? What do you really enjoy discovering? Because that should be giving you some clues. So I'd like you to maybe completely forget about everything you've done so far. I think, well, it does it have to be that way? Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes it's just no. So allow yourself to be curious and a student, first of all. Mm. But additionally, think, I need to maybe adjust my mindset because a lot of people, especially when they're used to doing business, and you'll recognize this in a local community, there is a limited number of people. Let, let's, oh, I can't think of an example right now, but take my business, for example. If I wanted to teach people to build a personal brand, build a business around that personal brand in something quite obscure, let's say line dancing, that's the only thing I can think of right now. Your local community possibly can't support that. But that doesn't mean the world can't support that. There are, we just passed the 7 billion people on the planet, Mark. Mm -hmm. So when you start thinking a little bit bigger, crazy little niches can really, really work. So that's where, yeah, giving yourself permission to think bigger and follow your curiosity. Now, sometimes you have an existing career that you simply want to build on or you want to refine into a little bit. For most people, that's the truth. But sometimes it's a life change mm -hmm. and that is possible when you go online. You can turn on a dime. You maybe can't monetize it effectively overnight. So maybe there's going to be a step into a new career over a period of time. But yeah, it begins with a bit of fantasy, thinking a little bit bigger, refining that into a vision and then stepping into that different vision of yourself and building a new identity, essentially. I love that. And how do, how can someone know whether they have found a niche or whether they're just an oddball? <laughs> like, in other words, what if, what if, what if the thing I'm really passionate about is butterflies and I, I just can't even imagine how that could be a niche. How, how do I, What's the process for recognizing when something is really a market niche, some, some way I can actually serve the world in ways I can monetize versus, hey, this is really interesting to me, but I'm not sure what to do with it. There are a few answers to that question. So people, you say niche, I'm going to say niche because that's how I roll in the UK. Um, but people niche for different reasons. Some do it for money. And if money motivates you, let that be okay. Some do it for impact. They, they've moved beyond money. They want to make an impact. They've kind of got the money covered with a day job, for example. 
So let impact be okay. Some do it because that's where their curiosity takes them. It's a passion they can't deny and they just have to honor it. Let that be okay. Understanding why you're niching and what motivates you is really important because everybody is different. And just because you hear of people niching for money doesn't mean it's going to be right for you. Mm. So if, if you are, the truth is, if you're genuinely passionate about pretty much anything, you can make money because your passion will allow you to build an audience. And over time, that audience can be monetized. You can monetize audiences in so many different ways. Take butterflies, for example. People are, there are, there are a large number of people that are very in, in, interested in butterflies. So you could build a healthy YouTube channel around butterflies. You could build a podcast around butterflies. Um, YouTube will pay you if you have a decent audience. But you could also take people on butterfly tours around the world. People... There are enough people in the world who are interested in butterflies, who have wealthy businesses of their own, will pay you two or $3,000 to take them into the jungle to see these butterflies in real life. So being a bit creative, if you have an audience, you have options, you can monetize it. How do you help coach people around the confidence to, to take that first step. So I want to get into like, how do you actually get online? And we're, I want to really get dig, you know, double click and go deep into yeah. some of the details. But first, <clears throat> I'm really curious, how do you help people just have the confidence to believe that this niche is worth pursuing and, and, and they should give some effort to it, even if it doesn't, it's not going to get them out of the work they're doing. It's not, may not even be, you know, marketable in the short term. Like, what happens first in the mind in this in the spirit? How do you coach people toward that? Well, you take the butterfly guy. Um, he's somebody who's very knowledgeable. He's been doing this as a hobby for a long time. He knows his stuff about butterflies, but nobody knows him. Nobody knows he knows his stuff. He's never shared. So he's not going to make any money at the moment. It's just not going to happen. So step one is you need to become known. You build, need to build that visibility. You need to become discoverable. Mm. so that's leading us to content so you need to pick a you need to make a play is it going to be a podcast is it going to be youtube is it going to be tiktok but at the end of the day you're going to need to lean into what you know and let people know you know it so show up in other people's lives that triggers an awful lot of challenges for many many people so simply being visible is painful for a lot of people i am one of those people i found it so hard in the beginning to show up on video for that there's simply a process of desensitization over time practice it's going to be hard on day one so be easy on yourself um, and then gradually over time it'll become less difficult um i i'll tell you a story i used to work in search and rescue um and it was my job to go and pull bodies up cliffs and out of the water and rescue kids hanging on by their fingernails. And it was terrifying stuff for most people. For me, I didn't think about it. And I remember thinking about why am I so scared about video? And I thought back to this, how do we teach people to do these terrifying things? And it was, well, you start by watching other people do it from the distance. For years, you wouldn't be expected to handle body recovery. And then gradually over time, you move closer and closer into the painful stuff. 
So I approached video marketing, for example, in exactly the same way. Now, if you're listening, thinking I'm not scared of video, there will be many other things you are scared of. Right. And you're going to need to get over them. And the truth is, your business will not grow until you grow. The two kind of have to go in parallel. Yeah. How do you, um, I'm going to drill down a little bit more, because this is actually, I'm, I'm, some of this is therapy. <laughs> so, like, it always is on a podcast. I know it is, right? So how do you help people? So what I, what I find I suffer from, and, and certainly clients that I work with suffer from, is um, what I call the Kardashian syndrome, which is, you know, I, I want to go on, I want to find my media, whatever that is, TikTok, YouTube, whatever, uh, Instagram. I want to find my media, but, you know, but I'm looking at the wrong, I'm looking at the models of these people that have already just completely crushed it in terms of social media. Like, how do you, how do you, what, what's the process for getting from here to there? Not that every, I'm, I'm sure not every client of yours becomes a Kardashian sister or whatever, whatever they are, but like, how, what's the process for, for getting people sort of to get their foot in the water, to get that, to really have the confidence to move forward with something? So number one is forget about Kardashians. I would say what's Kardashian for you. That's the first thing to think about because how much success do you really need in order to be, to make a change in your life? The actual, the answer often is not as much as you would think. So how do you pick your content play? I think is the question that you were asking. How do you give it the best chance? Yeah. So I use the analogy of investments. So we have short-term investments, medium-term investments, and long-term investments. Mm -hmm. And if you ask a smart investor how to invest, they'll tell you make a long-term play. Look for the compound interest over time. So we have short-term investments. That's paid content. We have medium-term investments, and that's social media and social networking. That's where most people spend most of their time. And for most people, that feels like a hamster wheel. You never seem to get ahead. You right. only ever stand still. So then we have the long-term plays. And this is where it's a little bit like property investing. You want to build what I would call attention assets. And here we're talking blog, podcast, and YouTube specifically, not simply writing audio or video, but those platforms specifically. Because the more you invest in there, the bigger the footprint grows and the more discoverable you become. So I would say for most people, the mistake that they make is they don't make an investment in an attention asset. Mm. Personally, if I was building an attention asset and it was the only one, it would be a podcast because they have the additional benefit of they allow you to build relationships. They allow you to become connected. And the more connected you are, bizarrely, the more lucky you get. Mm. Um, one of the questions I ask every podcast guest is, Opportunity can come through one of four routes. It can come through ads, it can come through content, it can come through outbound sales activity, or it can come through your network. And it doesn't matter who I speak to and at what level they're at, the game changer op opportunities come through the people that they know. So you can use a podcast to get past gatekeepers and build relationships with people who can change your life. Um, additionally, you step into the creator community, which is extremely supportive. So butterfly guy can connect with snake guy and they can do amazing things together. Um, so that's the long answer to a short question, but I think the key is in this long-term building an attention asset. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. And I'm, I'm imagining like butterfly guy and snake guy and 
hamster girl at this, you know, obscure animal podcast network that, uh, that they sell to Gimlet Media. Um, so blog, podcast, and YouTube. Um, uh, give us sort of a path or an on-ramp on to those. And specifically, I'm looking for like, um, how do you how do you begin to create those assets in a way that is going to create value long term? Because to go back to your analogy, if you're a property investor, you're going to make sure, for example, if you buy a house, maybe it's in a neighborhood that's up and coming. So it's affordable, which is which is what all three of those are, because they're all basically free. So you want to you want to buy the house in, in an area that's up and coming. How do you how do you begin to do that? Because immediately questions of like search engine optimization and making sure your care, your content is findable and all that come up for me. So give us some pointers or some tips on on how to begin to dive into those uh, three media. Well, it will come back to what's your motivation? Is it money? Is it impact? Is it something else? So if it's money, yeah, do your homework. Is is there a, is this a rich vein? Um, are other people making money in this is usually a good clue in that it's very easy to think of oh, as saturated. Trust me, my niche is incredibly saturated, but I make a very good living and I have only been occupying this niche for really three or four years. Right. Um, so does it look busy is, is a good sign. You can use tools like uh, Google keywords. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called. Obviously this is, in each of these niches, there are specialists who can give you specific advice. People like Sean Cannell for YouTube. Um, there's others for podcasts. There's others for blog. But the truth is, all of them will require a bit of ramping up. Um, so yeah. it's often said on YouTube, for example, your first 100 videos are the price of entry. Oh, wow. Don't expect to be killing it until you've made a hundred videos, because in order to be good, you have to be bad first. That's what you, that's the price. It's kind of the same with podcasts, but what I like about podcasts, and this is true of YouTube is yes, that this is a long-term strategy, but the thing with a long-term strategy is if you execute on it, you can get lucky in the short term and you often will. So I know I'm not answering the question very specifically. That's great. um, But the truth is, if you're a passion person, that passion is going to cut through to the people who need it, the people who are looking for it, the people who are thirsty for it. They'll find you. Um, if you're a money person, do your homework. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's incredibly valuable. Thank you. I, I know, um, you know, for example, there's some people out there when you were talking about experts, like on blogging, the one that I've looked to a lot is a guy named Adam Enfroy, who's great. But it's easy to look and hear Adam's making five, six, eight million dollars a year blogging. And that's not something you're going to be um, not certainly not certainly something I'll be in the next year or two. Uh, so that's really helpful and really practical. What's um why didn't you include the other like what do you do with TikTok or Twitter or um, Instagram, LinkedIn? What do you do with those? For me, I look at those as distribution platforms. So I am primarily creating content for personally podcast and YouTube that gets for me re- repurposed into my blog. So 
my podcast exists on my blog. It's transcribed. It's there for the search engines. So all the same benefits that I get from being a blogger are there because of my podcast yeah. and YouTube. I'm primarily creating content for podcast and blog, but I distribute that content across social media. Okay. And I have a secondary layer of strategy, which is I post a few times a week, short posts focused on simply saying hi on social media um, so that people can discover me there. It's not, I'm not spending more than one hour a week creating content that's just for social media. Interesting. Um, no, that's helpful. I I love that model, uh, Bob, of, you know, so you're creating this content and then you're in on blog podcast, podcast and YouTube, and then using the other social media as distribution channels. That's incredibly helpful. That's I think for most people that, that that's the the keys to the freedom when it comes to online, because if you don't have those long-term plays, Mm -hmm. A, you don't have a long-term strategy, but B, when you come back to social media with that long-term play and you can repurpose rather than have to create suddenly your social media is easy it's no longer the hamster wheel covered in crushed glass and lined with barbed wire as it used to be right um but you feel liberated to be creative on social media yeah and spend time connecting and engaging rather than trying to compete with everybody for crappy content yeah Yes, I love that model. Speaking of connecting, though, that that raises my next question, which is um, how much time when you're working with a client or frankly, in your own work, how much time do you spend making sure you're building connections on these other platforms? And for me, especially because I, I largely cater to a business audience, LinkedIn, but LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, like how much time do you and or do you recommend for your clients um, spend um making connections on those platforms? I think the connecting and being connected and having conversations is a key component because what you want is for your content to influence people. So a really, something I see, something that happens frequently for me is somebody will comment on my content or I will be on somebody else's podcast, which is a frequent thing. So they'll post about it. And I'll comment, it was great fun. The people in the comments will occasionally say, you know what, I think this might be the guy for me. And that's a powerful thing. And that triggers opportunity for me that wouldn't be there before. So I am regularly connecting, but I'm not being pitchy ever. I don't think I'm, I've never sort of directly connected with somebody and said, you know what, I think you might be a great customer for me. I don't need to. Right. Um, and I think this is when your content's working for you. You know, this problem when you get a customer that's a bad fit because you had to pitch them and it didn't, and, and you get them and you think, okay, now the customer, I have to work with them. Right. Nobody right. likes that. And the nice thing with content is they've decided they want to work with you before they come to you. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. And that's the power of regularly showing up in other people's lives and being there for them to absorb And then if they want to work with you, they'll come to you. It's a numbers game at the end of the day, but it's a numbers game that's not that hard to play. Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate that perspective because certainly speaking for myself, but I know for a lot of the listeners of the podcast, like this idea of, you know, smile and dial and and just, you know, keep connecting, calling, 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 selling, selling, selling is just not, is actually 
the antithesis of why they um, wanted to get out of the corporate grind. They didn't want to be involved in that sort of just grind it out. Um, and also monetizing connections. Actually, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on like that. On that, like, what do you do yourself to ensure? And you've kind of answered this, but I'd like you to drill down on it a little bit. Like, what do you do yourself to make sure that when you're networking, there's a real authenticity to it? That you're not like you you are you have you're able to keep a perspective that the work you're doing is for the benefit of that person. I think. I spent 15 years in different networking organizations and things like that. I don't go to networking events at all anymore. I haven't been one to four years. Um, but what I did learn through that was how to be with people and how to not have an agenda and just trust that if people want to work with you, if they want to refer you, they will. So I'm generally in service mode. So how can I help you today? And I don't worry about what I'm going to get. So with prospects, for example, I don't really do any prospecting anymore. But if somebody shows an interest in working with me, they're going to be a little bit surprised at how much they get before they're asked to pay. I'll usually spend at least a couple of hours with anybody before, they, before we're having a sales conversation. I'd like to leave every encounter that they know what they should be doing next. They know where to go. They know exactly what the plan is. And at that point, they may say, can you help me on this journey? Or they may say, thank you. I feel I know what to do now. And that's fine. Yeah. So that tends to, if you come to every encounter with that attitude, sure. you'll win. Yeah, yeah. I love that perspective. Yeah, sorry I interrupted you. Yeah, but bring that servant heart to every interaction and it's going to change um, change the way you show up in the world. Um, it, is, it is quite a difficult thing to do, especially if you're, on, if, if you're in a job where you're judged on the sales numbers that you get. Right. That's not going to work for you. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a business like yours and mine, if you if you try and consciously build as many relationships as you can, you have a system for maintaining them. Right. That's an important thing because you probably know, well, I think th they say the average person actually knows 800 or so people, maybe quite tenuously or vaguely, but that number. So you can build systems to try and surface people that you may have forgotten about and maintain relationships. I don't do too much of that because I don't really need to. But if you're at the beginning of your journey and you need to have some systems and processes around sales, then having systems and processes around maintaining relationships, freshness is probably one of the core systems you should focus on. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that interesting? Because one of the points you made earlier that I think is really worth repeating is you have to look at this as a long-term investment and even the building of those systems, it's not going to, it may not pay these massive dividends the first day, week, or even month or even quarter that you implement them, it's going to take time to, to build these relationships and continue to show value in the market. Yeah. One is a lot of the work that I used to do, I don't do so much of it anymore. Mm -hmm. It was much more commercial digital marketing. Mm -hmm. And I have a framework that I use for that. And one of the sort of mind blowing moments for clients often was 
when they think new business and lead generation, they think new customers, fresh leads, fresh meat. But when I ask them, what about your existing customer data? Do you ever use it? Oh, no, we don't really. Do you email market at all? No, we don't. Do you actually call the people who recommend you all the time and ask them why and would they like to do it more often and maybe incentivize them? Oh, no, we don't do that. The, yeah. Your power base, the people who already know, like, and trust you, if you can really lean into them, that's all most people will ever need. Right, right, right. Well, this has been... I think like we got like a, I feel like we got a masterclass in how to, how to um, build a brand online. And I'm pretty sure that people listening to this are going to want to connect with you. So how could people find you in, in this world? And we'll put this information in the show notes as well, but if you can tell us how people can find you. So on pretty much any social media platform you like, except this newfangled Mastodon that I haven't had time to look at yet, you'll find me just at Bob Gentle. I'm super easy to find. My website is amplifyme.agency. And if you do want, if this did resonate with you and you are kind of overwhelmed by all the different balls that you feel you have to move uphill at the same time, then on my website, you can download my personal brand business roadmap, which will help you get a little bit clearer on first things first and then second things after that. And then what comes after that? It puts all these balls that you need to roll uphill in a bit of order so you can prioritize them and maybe go back and fix what you didn't do if you have a great business. And if you're at the beginning, then not jump right to the end and do the first things first. Excellent. And we'll uh, we'll put a link to your website as well and to that uh, to that brand kit. So this has been this has been great. Thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for this gift of masterclass for for my audience. Well, it's absolutely my pleasure. And I'll tell you a secret, Will. This is probably the best podcast interview I've ever done. And I've never said that to anyone before. Um, I feel I made my, I think, yeah, I didn't stumble over myself once today. Probably did. But yeah, thank you. You did a great job. I had a great time. Thank you. What a gift. Thank you. That's wonderful. And uh, Bob Gentle, thank you again for your time. And I'm so excited to share you with my audience. No, thank you. All right. Thanks to everyone who joined me today. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, can you share it with one person in your world today and help me get the word out? And if you like what you heard here, you can sign up for my weekly insights. It's just a short bit of wisdom that comes out once a week. And to do that, head over to willsampson.com and sign up for the newsletter. You can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at willsampsonchangecoach. Please hit the subscribe button below to be notified of the latest episode. Thanks, everyone. And I will see you the next time on the Revolution of Interdependence podcast.